Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Praise the Lord. Does anybody know what we were talking about last week? We had, uh, we've been on a series for a number of weeks talking about our authority, the fact that when Jesus was raised from the dead, he gave the authority that was given him to the church. Last week, we sort of turned the page. We're on a new series, but it's related, and we're talking in this series about how the authority that God gave the Lord Jesus Christ when he was raised from the dead, the authority that he received, how it's in the name of Jesus. That's how you access the authority. Last week, we talked about the important truth. We quoted from a, a statement that is reported to have been made by John Wesley. I guess it was. I never looked it up. But uh, people say that John Wesley made this statement years ago. And he said that it seems that God is limited by our prayer life. That he can do nothing for humanity unless somebody asks him. And we found out from the word of God that, that that's absolutely true. Many times Christians build these spiritual, uh, I call them spiritual air castles, you know, doctrinally, where they just believe things and sing things and say things, and there's no reality, there's no basis for it. And one of those is this saying that God has everything under control that everything in the world is under control, that God's hand is running everything. Well, that's just not true. I said, that's not true. Jesus said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And then he immediately transferred that authority to the church. Go with me over there to the 28th chapter of Matthew. I know there's maybe somebody here this morning that this is a new idea. Uh, it would be better if you go back and list the, listen to the last several uh, couple of months worth of messages where I've taught about authority. But in the 28th chapter of Matthew, you see these words. It says in verse 18, Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Well, if you stop right there, you think, well, you know, praise God. Jesus has all the authority. He rules and reigns over all. But notice verse number 19, he said, Therefore, go, he's talking to the church. He said to the church, because I've been given authority in heaven and earth, therefore you go and make disciples of all the nations. Well, where are the nations? They're in the earth. There's virtually no place you can go on this planet where you're not in a nation of some kind. Isn't that right? And, and so when he said to go into all the world and and make disciples of all the nations, he's transferring the authority that he was given on the earth to the church. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Therefore, because of that fact, you go, and if you read Mark's version of this great commission, he said, you go, you lay hands on the sick, you cast out devils, in other words, you go with my authority. He transferred that authority to the church. Last week, I talked about uh, a story that uh, E.W. Kenyon told in one of his books where uh, 
he was preaching and actually last week I said a man came up to him after the service. I went back this, read, this week and reread the story. I actually read it again yesterday. And this man didn't come up to him after the service. This man interrupted him while he was, pe- while he was preaching. He was preaching, this was many years ago. He was preaching in Tennessee on the name of Jesus and all that's in that name and the fact that, I, that we have a legal right to use that name. And there was an attorney sitting in the congregation and he, he was so stunned and so amazed at what he was reading from the, from the Bible, he just blurted out and interrupted Dr. Kenyon and said, sir, are you telling me that Jesus has given the church power of attorney to use his name? And so uh, Dr. Kenyon, he said, well, sir, he said, you're the attorney, I'm just a layman. You tell me, is that what Jesus is doing? Is that what he said? And this attorney said, sir, if words mean anything, he's looking at his Bible. He's looking at this, this passage we just read. He said, if words mean anything, that's exactly what Jesus did. He was, given, he was giving power of attorney to use his name to the church. Dr. Kenyon said, then he asked him, he said, well, tell me, sir, what is the value of that power of attorney? And he said, well, it all depends on what's behind that name. The, the, the measure of the value and the wealth and the power of that name determines the value, the power, and the wealth of that power of attorney. I went back this week and I, and I read another definition that's related to this. <clears throat> And it says this, this has to do with the power of attorney. It's talking about agency. It says agency in the business world is that relationship between two or more persons by which one person, the agent, represents another person, the principal. In the transaction of lawful acts of business, agents are of two kinds, special and general. A special agent is authorized to do some specific thing such as sell a farm, buy a property, or to transact some other special business for the principal. A general agent is authorized to represent the principal in all of his business or in all of of a business of a particular kind. The authority of an agent may be constituted in three ways by deed under seal, by writing, or by mere word. Express authority is given to an agent by what we call power of attorney. What Jesus did when he said, all authority's been given to me in heaven and on earth, therefore you go and in my name. So you read this here. Uh, he said, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. In the book of Acts, the statement is made, you know, Luke wrote the book of Acts and he wrote the, the, the gospel of, of Luke, of course. And referring to the gospel of Luke in, in Acts chapter one, he said, the former treaties I've written of all that Jesus began both to say and do until the time he was raised up and ascended into heaven. Referring to the book of Luke, he said that was the former treatise of all that Jesus began to say and do. Well, that indicates that there's a continuation 
Because if it wasn't to be continued, then he would have just said all that Jesus said and did. He said the Gospels represents all that Jesus began to say and do until the time he ascended into heaven. And then he wrote the book of Acts, which is the story of all that Jesus continued to do through the church. See, Jesus went to heaven. He said, all authority's been given to me in heaven and on earth. And then he turns around and goes to heaven. Well, what about the authority here? He transferred the authority on the earth to the church. Now, now, when you think about it, it makes absolute sense. It fits together like the pieces of a puzzle. When Jesus was here, we refer to Jesus as Jesus Christ. But you do understand that the word Christ isn't Jesus' second name. It's not his last name or a middle name. It's a title. What did, what did Jesus ask the disciples? He said, who do men say that I am? And they said, well, they, you know, different people say different things. He said, but who do you say I am? Peter said, you are the Christ. Isn't that right? After the day of Pentecost, when Peter was preaching, preaching to the Jews, he said, the same person that you crucified God raised him from the dead and has made him both Lord and Christ. You see, Jesus is his name. Christ is his office. It's a title. It's an office he, he stands in. The word Christ is the equivalent of the Old Testament concept or word Messiah. Both of those words mean the anointed one. We know that the Jews were looking for their Messiah. They were looking for their anointed one. Now, there's not any indication uh, or at least any clear indication in the Old Testament that the Messiah would also be God. That wasn't so clear. They were looking for a man to come whom God would anoint to be their deliverer just like God had sent Moses in, in the day when the children of Israel needed to be delivered out of Egypt. They were looking for another deliverer. Moses said, there's one coming after me like me. So they were waiting for their deliverer. They were waiting for the anointed one. Well, Jesus, he is God and he became flesh. He took on a flesh body. In other words, he took on humanity and in his humanity, he became the Christ, the anointed one. He is also God. But in his office of ministry, he, is the, he was the Christ. Notice I changed that, he was the Christ. Listen to me real carefully. When Jesus was here in his physical body, walking the shores of Galilee and Capernaum and, and all of those places, ministering and preaching and healing and so forth, Christ consisted of one person. There was one person who was the Christ. Now, what was not revealed in the Old Testament, and it wasn't even revealed in the Gospels. There was just a one small hint of it in the Gospels, in the four Gospels. When Jesus said, he said this, he said, when, when Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, Jesus said, uh, uh, flesh and blood has not revealed that to you, but my father. And then he said, you are Peter, and upon this rock, I will build my church. 
Now the word church, when Jesus said it, they didn't understand it the way we understand it. The word church, in, I'm taking a rabbit trail here, but this will help you. The word church in the New Testament comes from a Greek word that, that is ekklesia. That's how you say it, ekklesia. That's the word that's always translated church. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew. 200 years before Jesus came, there was a Greek translation of the Old Testament written. Just like today we have, you know, the King James or New King James or the NIV or other translations. Those are translations of the Old and New Testament into English. Well, they didn't have a New Testament. It hadn't been written. But they had an Old Testament. 200 years before Jesus came, the Old Testament was translated into Greek. That Greek translation was called the Septuagint. You call it the Septuagint version of the Old Testament. The Hebrew, there was a Hebrew word and it was pronounced kohal. Kohal, it almost sounds like a bird. It's kohal. That word kohal in the Hebrew means an assembly, a gathering together, a physical summoning together of God's people and it's often uh, translated the assembly or the, or the convening, the congregation of Israel. So when Jesus said the word ecclesia, that's what the disciples were thinking because it, was, it, was, it referred to the assembling together of the saints of the old covenant. We, we read it like this. Jesus said, you are Peter and upon this rock I will build my church. Probably the way they heard it was, you are Peter and upon this rock I will build my church. Because they were familiar with an assembly. They probably looked at each other and, and, and said, his assembly, his congregation, what's he talking about? That's the only hint of the church in the gospels. He didn't explain it. The fact that there, would, there was going to be a body of Christ, that's what the church is. The church is the body of Christ. That idea was completely hidden in the Old Testament. That's part, well, it's not part of, it's, it's, the, it's the main part of what is called in the New Testament the mystery of Christ. It was completely hidden from the Old Testament. Saints, they, there was no hint of it at all in the Old Testament. People didn't know it. They weren't looking for it. They were looking for one man, a Christ, and he came. One man came, the Lord Jesus. He was the Christ. He came as the Christ. But what, what was not revealed, but we see revealed in the New Testament, that after he had been raised from the dead, when people started believing on him, as their Lord and Savior and started trusting in his redemptive work, the Bible says when that happens, then God takes that individual that has believed on Jesus and baptizes him into Christ. We are all, each one of us, when we were born again, we were baptized. That word baptized means to immerse. We were immersed or placed into Christ. That's a completely new concept that the Old Testament saints didn't have and the disciples didn't have it. When Jesus said, I will build my church, they, had, they could not have had any idea what he was talking about. But on the day of Pentecost, when thousands started believing on the Lord, all of those people 
were joined to Christ. Now Christ is not, listen, that office doesn't consist of just one man. It consists of one man, the head, and the body which is made up of the church. Made up of believers. We are, the church is the body of Christ. Well, the head and the body are one and the same. You can't separate them. Well, that's not the right way. They're not one and the same. They're different, but you can't separate them. Just like in the, in the 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians, Paul is explaining the concept of the fact or the concept that we are all members of one another because we're all members of Christ. And he said, you know, the, the eye cannot say to the ear, I have no need of you, nor can the, the, the hands to the feet or the feet to the head. In other words, all the members of the body are codependent upon one another because they're all one body. And it's interesting that he said, neither can the head say to the feet, I have no need of you. Because in your physical body, your head can't do anything without your feet. When I say feet, your body. Isn't that right? I'm thinking of something. I'm, I'm thinking of walking up there and sitting down. I think I'll do it. I just thought of this. I think I'll just sit right here. I thought of that with my mind. My head said, go up there and sit down on the platform. And when I said that, I put into motion my body. Just thinking it or desiring it or intending it wasn't enough. My body had to carry out those instructions. Now, if you, you might probably know better than I do. I don't know how the physiology works. I don't know how that translated from my mind to my feet and hands, you know, to get me to do it. But there was a, there was a message passed down. And when I, when I decided to do it, my body was capable of doing it. You know, a lot of people are paralyzed. Have you ever, have you ever awakened in the middle of the night and you've been sleeping on your arm? And when, you, and when you first wake up there for a moment, you go to turn over, it's like, for, a, for, a, for just a second, almost, it almost startles. Just like, oh, what's happened to my arm? It's dead. Have you ever felt that? No feeling. You, you can't move it. Of course, within just a few seconds, you know, feeling starts returning and it's not pleasant, you know. <laughs> and then you wish it, you, know, you couldn't feel it again. But at first, you, you can't move it. There are people who are completely paralyzed their whole body's that way. Just like your arm is when you just can't feel it just, and you can't do anything with it. Their whole body is that way. If the body can't respond or won't respond to the head, what the head wants to do is completely ineffective. Well, why in the world do you think God set up the body of Christ the way he did? He set it up, he's the head, but the head can only operate in the earth through the body. Jesus isn't here in the flesh. You and I are here in the flesh. Jesus is the head, 
He's giving the instructions to the body, but the body has to carry out his instructions. And so it makes perfect sense that the body would give, be given the authority to carry out those instructions. It takes authority to do what Jesus says to do. We can do what he says because we've been authorized and that authority's in his name. He said, now church, my body, those of, the, of that part of my body that's staying here, some of his body's in heaven, we understand that. People, saints that have gone on, you know, they're still in the body of Christ, they're just in heaven. But the church that's here, the body of Christ that's here, he said, I'm going into heaven, all authority's been given to me in heaven and earth. Now you go, if you read Mark's gospel, See, Matthew just says go. Mark's gospel says go in my name. We go in the name of Jesus. We've been authorized and the authority is invested in his name. We've been made an agent of the Lord Jesus Christ by virtue of being part of him. We've been commissioned. That's what they call this, the great commission. We've been commissioned and we've been authorized, glory to God. Hallelujah. You have to exercise faith and authority for yourself. You have to learn to exercise faith and authority for yourself and not depend on other people to exercise it for you. Trying to live, and, and a lot of Christians do this because they think, see, there are a few people in the body of Christ who've, who've really, they see this. They understand they've been authorized. They understand that Jesus has said, you can go and do these things, and because they understand it, they do it, and then the rest of the body of Christ thinks, ooh, now they're special. Who brother or sister so and so boy they've got a they've got a close walk with God they're special. And so most Christians have someone that they think has a closer walk with God than they do. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. But they think they do. And most Christians has have someone that they look up to. I said most have someone or maybe a group of people that they look up to that they go to in time of need and they want that person or that group to pray for them. When they have a need, they, they're looking for somebody to help them. That's, you know, depending on something. Now, now, thank God we can help one another to a point. Particularly if it's a baby Christian, somebody that doesn't know much or hasn't had an opportunity to learn, God will allow more uh, mature and seasoned Christians to carry them for a little while on their faith and even exercise authority for them for a little while. But eventually God requires us all to grow up and have our own faith and to get into the word of God and find out what belongs to me, what belongs to, the, to, to me as an individual and start acting on it for myself. To go through life depending on somebody else to do your praying, to do your believing, to taking a stand for you is like going through life depending on somebody else to give you clothes. Wearing somebody else's clothes all the time. Yeah, you can borrow clothes for a while, 
But eventually you're going to need your own clothes. Isn't that right? Well, you're going to, you're, eventually you're going to need to learn how to exercise authority for yourself. Not, not just learn about it, but do it. Not just learn about clothes, not just buy clothes magazines, not just look at pictures of clothes, not just know what makes a well-dressed man or a well-dressed woman, but actually buy some threads yourself. Isn't that right? It's not enough to just know what's good taste. You actually have to buy some clothes and put them on yourself. God requires us to actually do what we know to do. Take the authority that Jesus gave us. Glory to God. If you don't exercise authority for yourself, other people won't be able to exercise it for you very much or for very long. You know, I, I can exercise my right to vote as a United States citizen. I can't exercise your right. We both have the same right, but your right is in your hands. My right is in my hands, isn't that right? Same thing is true with authority. Jesus gave the church power of attorney to use his name. Now remember that definition of, of agency. There are special agents and there are general agents. If I'll add to what that attorney said to, to Dr. Kenyon. If words mean anything, Jesus made us general agents. A general agent is authorized to conduct all the business of the principal. Why do I say that? Well, let's go to uh, let's go to John, the sixteenth chapter. Hallelujah. John sixteen, verse in that day, you will ask me nothing. Now, the, if you go back and look at the context, he's talking about the day of the church. He said this just before he went, before he went to the cross. He was talking about in the previous verses how when he, you know, he would go away for a short time and the disciples would, would, would weep and, and be sad and mourn. And he said, but I'm coming back. You'll see me again and then you'll have joy. Then he said, in that day, you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Up until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. He said, the day is coming, the day of the church, yeah, that you will ask Whatever you want, whatever you desire, in my name. See, there's the key, in my name. When we, when we pray in the name of Jesus, we're praying, like he said here, to the Father. And he said, if you go on down in verse 26, he said, in that day you shall not, you will ask me, you will ask, excuse me, you will ask in my name and I do not say to you that I will pray the Father for you for the Father himself loves you. 
When we pray in the name of Jesus, we take his place here in the earth. The Father backs up, Jesus backs up what we say because we're praying in his name and the Father will give it to us just as quickly as if he would give it to Jesus. As far as God is concerned, it's the same thing. It's the same thing to God the Father as if Jesus asked. And Jesus said, I don't even have to ask. The Father loves you just as much as he loves me. Hold your place here. Uh, go to the 17th chapter. Just turn a page over here. It's chapter 17. Remember what we were talking about, how I was describing that, that we're the body, he's the head. The head and the body are one. Just like your head and your body is one. I ne it never occurred to me when I saw Ray here, you were sitting in a different place this morning. You tripped me up here this morning. But, surprise. But, but when I saw you, I didn't think, well, there's Ray's head. I wonder if he brought his body with him. A person is made up of, of a head and a body. Gee, the, the Christ is made up of a head and a body and they're all one. I could hit Ray on the shoulder or I could hit him in the head. Both responses would be the same. I'll let you guess what they might be. Not good for me. The point is, it's one person. Christ is the head, we're the body, but we're one. Now notice in the 17th chapter of John, verse 18, Jesus is praying to the Father. He said, as you sent me into the world, I also send them into the world. You see how that fits with, he's the head, we're the body, all authority was given to him, but then he transferred it to us. Why? Because we're sent to do his work. As you sent me, Father, into the world, I also have sent them into the world. What did he do? He transferred the assignment that God gave him to us. He transferred the assignment that God gave him to us, and he transferred the authority to get the job done to us. Go over to the 20th chapter. Verse 21, this was after Jesus had been raised from the dead and appeared to them. He said, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. Do you see that? As the Father sent me, Jesus said, I'm sending you. Well, if, if, if he's sending us, he has to authorize us and that's in fact what he did. Now, one more scripture, then we'll come back to uh, the 16th chapter. Go over to 1 John. 1 John. Verse number 17. 1 John, chapter 4, excuse me. 1 John 4, verse number 17. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Last part of verse 17, 
Because as he is, so are we in this world. As he is, so are we. As he is authorized, so are we. As he is sent, so are we. As he is commissioned, so are we. He commissioned us to carry on his ministry. That's why Luke said, the gospel that I wrote was all about what Jesus began to say and do. And then the Acts is a record of all he continued to say and do through the church. And Jesus, going back to the idea of a, of a general agent, Jesus said, whatever you ask in my name, up until now you haven't asked anything. But he said, when that day comes, that's the day we're living in right now. He said, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. That's the same thing Mark eleven twenty four 24 says. Whatever things you desire when you pray, believe you receive. Whatever things. God, the Lord Jesus Christ, has given us a blank check sign saying fill in the blank. Fill it in for whatever you want. <laughs> and Christians have gone through life, well, you know, I don't want much, I don't need much, you know. Think that you're gonna bankrupt heaven <laughs> if they ask for something nice or something big or bold. One writer I was, I was reading about he said that when he was very young in ministry, he said a man came up to him one time and said, and it, it, it was obvious that he didn't, this preacher didn't have an overcoat. And it was cold, it was winter, and this man came up to him, and a very wealthy man, and said, I want to buy you a coat. And so he wrote out a check and signed it and, and tore it out of the checkbook, gave it to this man, and he said, go into town Find the best coat you can find and buy it. And he didn't fill in them out. He said, get the best coat you can buy. And this preacher, he, he, I read his story. He wrote this and he said, I took the check and he said, I, I, I went to the store, but I didn't have the courage to buy the best coat because I didn't know what the man really wanted me. I was afraid if I spent an extravagant amount of money or got the best coat in town, maybe that's really not what the man meant and he wouldn't be happy. He said, so I got a decent coat. It was an okay coat, but it wasn't the best coat and that's the one I bought and I filled in the amount. Christians go through life. This, this preacher went on to say, he wrote this many years later, he said, I've learned a lot about God he said, and I've learned some things about life. If he said, I had to do over again, I would have gone to, throughout town. I'd have gone all to the stores. I'd have found the very best coat in town because that's what the man said to get. But he said, instead, I, I bought an inferior coat because I was afraid that I would make the man mad. Do you think Jesus is, it will get mad or God the Father will get angry if you just do what he said to do? He said, whatever you ask in my name, I will, the Father will give it to you. Ooh, glory. 
Amen. That means we can have the things we need. Well, I don't really know if I really need it. Oh, come on. Again, there, there, there are attitudes and, and ways of thinking that only work in church. They don't make sense if you apply them outside of church. Well, you know, I, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to have much, but yet you, out, you get outside those doors and you'll scratch and fight. Not necessarily bad, but I mean, if anybody else is on the job is getting a raise, you want one. If you, if you didn't get one, you want to find out why. I've been here longer than him. I do more work than she does. Come on now, don't look out there like you don't know what I'm talking about. You will stand up for yourself because you don't want anything. No, you want everything. Isn't that right? You want what's available to you. But then you come inside the church and go, well, hell, you know, I don't want much. Oh, I just want to be humble. And you get outside and you lose all that. That's hypocritical. Jesus said, ask the Father whatever you want. Ask him. And, and like the man, the attorney told Kenyon, the value of the name is what's behind the name. What kind of resources do the, does the person have whose name you're acting on? What kind of resources does he have? God has all the resources you will ever need. And you're not going to offend God by getting something nice. Now you might offend, you will offend religious people. But you're gonna, if you're gonna enjoy the blessings of God, you're gonna have to get over that. You're going to have to get over being concerned about what people will think because of your blessings and think of your blessings. I'm more concerned about what God thinks of my blessing. I, the man didn't write about this, but I can imagine if the man that had given him the check for the coat, I, I can only imagine if he found out that the man bought an inferior coat, he, he very likely could have been very disappointed might have been a little ticked off because the man didn't trust him enough. He said, go to the store and, and buy the best coat you can buy and the man didn't trust him. It's a trust issue. Do we trust the Lord? Did he mean what he said? He said what he meant. He meant what he said. Glory to God. We do. We do have a check. Glory to God. Let's go back to Mark 16 again. We'll close. Mark 16. Hallelujah. I've been working hard the last few weeks to close a little earlier. We're going to do it today, I think. I think. Did I say Mark? I'm sorry, John. John 16. John 16. In that day, you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now, you've asked nothing in my name. Ask! See, are you getting this? Jesus said, I, I, could, I, I think I could add something here and might not do too much sacrilege to the scripture. Ask! 
ask, dummy. In that day, you will ask me nothing. Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Ask, dummy. Ask. Put your big boy pants on and ask. Square your shoulders and ask. He can handle it. He's got enough to meet your need. He can do what you need him to do in your life. He can answer your prayer. He can give you the desire of your heart. He can do it for you. Take the name of Jesus. And, and, and this is what I always do when I, when I pray. In the, I say, in the name of Jesus and by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, I believe I receive. And like I said, it works praying and it works saying. It works both ways. You can pray it or you can say it. Go with me in closing. (laughs) Go with me to uh, Matthew 16. Matthew 16. Excuse me, Matthew 18. Matthew 18. See if I can find it here. Matthew 18. Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything, general agent, do you see that? Broad authority. to to transact any business that needs to be transacted. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. That's the praying side. The saying side is in the previous verse. Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. That's the saying side. Sometimes you don't even need to pray about things. In fact, there are a lot of things that Christians pray about that they have no business praying about because they've already been given. Asking God, give me, give me, give me, and he's already given it to you. I would say in my own life, I do a whole lot more saying than I do praying about things. Because when you know what belongs to you, you just say it. I loose this thing. In the name of Jesus and by his authority, I command this thing to come to me. Say, can you do that? Jesus said you could. He was walking by a tree. He was walking by a tree and it didn't have any fruit on it. It could have. It was the time of the year where it might or it might not. And he went to it to find, he went, listen, he went out of his way. He said they were going to Bethany. You study this out, Mark chapter uh, uh, 11. They were going from Bethany to Jerusalem. And it said that he saw afar off a tree having leaves. And he went out of his way to that tree. Now, when he didn't find any fruit on it, he said, no man eat fruit from this tree ever again. 
When they came back the next day, the tree was withered from the roots. Peter said, look at the tree you cursed. Now notice, Jesus saw this tree afar off. How far is afar off? It's not close, is it? It's afar off, it's not close. So at, at, a, at a significant distance, he saw this tree. And it said, he went over there and when he didn't find fruit, he spoke to it and notice it says, and his disciples heard him. That means he, they weren't standing next to him. If they had walked over there with him, it would have been unnecessary to say his disciples heard him. Of course they heard him. They were standing right next to him. That indicates that they were still where they, where he had been, where they had all been together. He walked this distance, however far, far away is, and when he said something, he, he said it loud enough that his disciples over here on the road heard him. He said it for their benefit. I mean, he said it to the tree, but he said it loud enough that they would hear it, and the next day, Peter said, look, the tree you cursed has withered away, and what does Jesus say? Yep, feels good to be God. <laughs> Whoo, boy, wasn't that marvelous? You want me to do something else like that? You ain't seen nothing yet. Is that what he said? He said, have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, whatever things you desire, when you pray, believe you receive them. That saying and praying and, and, and on the saying part, he said you can move things. It's, that's not the only place he taught that. It, it, also in Matthew's gospel, he, 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 uh, he saw a, uh, he, he made this statement. He said, you'll say to this, what kind of tree was it? It was a snow, it was a mulberry. He said, you'll not only say to this mountain, or you not only say to this fig tree, he said, if you say to this mulberry tree, be plucked up from the roots and be cast into the sea, it will obey you. You're getting kind of far out there, pastor. Yeah, that's what Jesus said. He said, whatever you say will happen if you take the authority of my name and faith in that name and say it. You can either say it or you can pray it. Either way, you do it in faith and with authority, it will happen. That's why I said many things in life I don't even pray about. I just say it. I just say for this, come or that, go. I'm not having this. Listen, I said this last week and I'll, and I'll, I'll close. Honestly, I'll close my Bible and close my notebook. <laughs> so I close something. <laughs> if you will start doing this on a daily basis, when things come up, start do, listen, if you've got some big uh situation you've been dealing with for 20 years, just leave that alone for right now. I'm just giving you some advice. Just leave that alone for right now. And the next time something else comes up, 
at the first sign, like when, when, it, when I get a, 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 the first feeling of a headache, I don't wait all day until it gets worse and worse. I mean, the, as soon as I'm conscious of a headache, right then I say, no, you don't. No, you don't. Not, I don't have headaches. You can ask my wife, I don't have them. I, I, I just don't have them. And I used to have headaches all the time, she can tell you. For the first 40 something years of my life, I don't remember being real little, but as a, as a uh, uh, junior high and older, up until I was in my 40s, I had headaches all the time. I went to the doctors, I had studies done that nobody could give me any idea. I never have headaches. That doesn't mean that I never have, a, have the feeling, but as soon as I get the first feeling of a headache, I say, no, you don't. No, you don't. In the name of Jesus, by his authority, I, I am not happy. This is my head. It ain't gonna hurt. It's not hurt. I'm not having it. Get in the habit of doing so. If you, if you, if you're, if you get out of the car at the, at the mall and you step up on the curb and you kind of twist your knee, don't just hobble around for the rest of the afternoon. Immediately take authority over that. So, well, the devil didn't do that. I did that. It's... I know the devil didn't do it. I know you dummy, you did it. But it's still your knee. You still have authority over your knee. It's not the devil didn't have anything to do with it, but you have authority over your knee. Right then say, I am not gonna have a, a bad knee. I am not gonna hobble around here. My knee is well in Jesus' name. I do that. I twist my knee, I twist my ankle, something like that. I immediately say, no, you don't. I'm not having that. You know, I ski every year. Years ago, I blew out my ACL in my right knee playing church softball. And I never had it fixed or anything. It just, I just don't have an ACL. And my knee, my right knee is a little unstable. Every year I go skiing, I don't wear a brace. I don't do any special, you know, things like that. And every year I'd make a turn at some point and that knee wants to go out. I do it, it happens every year. And I say right there on the snow, I say, no, you don't. No, you don't. I am not having a bad knee in the name of Jesus. And I ski the rest of the trip. It usually happens the first day. And I ski the rest of the week that I'm there and I'm not bothered with that knee. Learn to take authority over them. You can take authority over physical ailments. You can take authority over t uh, uh, the flesh you got you tempted in certain areas. You have certain areas where you keep yielding to sin and the flesh. Take authority over that. That's just your old flesh rising up. You say, now I have authority over my flesh and I'm not going to yield to that. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I do, I do not yield to this thing. I don't yield to these habits anymore. In the name of Jesus, by his authority, I take, a, I take my authority, his authority over this habit and I break it. Take authority where sin is concerned. Take authority where habits are concerned. Take authority where fear is concerned. Take authority where depression, well, you know, I just always kind of feel blue on Monday. Stop it. Don't pet those things until they become full-blown issues in your life. Take authority right then. Glory to God. You'll develop proficiency. You'll come back around to that big thing too. Develop some proficiency every day. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. It's two minutes before. Praise God. I did it. <laughs>
Hallelujah. Only went 11 more minutes from my first warning. <laughs> Let's stand. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Yeah. Where's, where's Jay at? Where are you at, Jay? Come up here. Jay gave a testimony Wednesday night, but he left out something really important. He told me about it afterwards, and so I wanted him to... to uh, now, a lot of people weren't here, so give the, the quick version and then fill in the part you, sure. you left So out. when the Keatons came, um, I've been uh, dealing with migraines, not anymore, uh, but I've been dealing with migraines for years, and they were debilitating. Um, I would have to take pretty much 24 hours off, uh, very painful. I would wind up throwing up so hard, blood vessels would pop in my face and eyes, just really not a, not a great thing to experience. Um, but the Keatons came, and um, uh, Mr. Keaton, or Pastor Keaton, laid hands on me, and I knew that I was healed right at that moment. I knew. And later on, um, I, after I, you know, had gone, gone on, I still hadn't had any, but every once in a while, I would get little pre-headaches. Uh, if you've ever had a migraine, you know what, the, what I mean by that. Um, I have about eight hours before uh, my migraine would set in, and I would know these pre-headaches were there. But after I got hands laid on me, those pre-headaches tried to come on and say, ah, you're about to get a migraine. It's on the way. You know, either, either do the things you know to do to try and prevent it, which happens, you know, that works occasionally, or get ready to have a migraine. You know, cancel your plans, get on ice pack, get some heavy-duty pain meds, you know, get ready. But every time those pre-headaches came on after the hands, my hands, uh, Dr. Er, uh, uh, Pastor Keaton's hands were laid on me, um, I said, no, you don't. Like Pastor said, I have been healed. The power of God went in me. I am healed. I'm not putting up with this. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not having a pre-headache. I'm not having a headache at all. I'm not having a migraine. Yeah. Not taking 24 hours off. Yeah. I'm not going to suffer. And every single time, those things went away. Not immediately. Not every time. But I haven't even had a pre-headache. Having maybe five or six times before it got the it got the hint. I'm not. I'm not dealing with it. Yeah. I'm not putting up with it. Yeah. You know. The power of God healed me, and that's faith. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Amen. M more people lose their healing by the counterattack. They get healed. He said when the hands were laid on him, he knew the power of God went in him. He knew he was healed. He could sense the power of God. But then the symptoms tried to return, and if he had yielded to that, and started playing with that, like these, you know, these little triggers that come, you know, that, that indicate that a headache's coming. And if he had yielded to that, started making plans and preparations to, to, to deal with that in the natural, they'd have all come back. But he said, no, 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 you don't. No, you don't. No, you don't. Praise God. That's what you have to do where the devil's concerned. You have to take your authority. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.